Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Scared Shitless Podcast, episode eight. My name is James. This is a true horror podcast by someone who is very scared of true horror and is a little bit of a baby. That's me. Today, I'm joined with two incredible people who are dear to my heart, Laura and JJ. Hello. Hi. It's so good to have you. Thank you. You're so welcome. I'm so excited. So, Laura, this is your first time, but JJ, this is your second time. Mm, I'm a veteran. He's a veteran. <laughs> literally. Literally. Um, not actually literally. No. But Laura, this is your first time. Um, I know that you like get a bit spooked very easily. Yes, yeah, super easily. And I can't. I remember when we were like teenagers, you came over to my house one time. I think it was, we were like 17 or 16 maybe. Mm. And I showed you The Strangers. Oof, yeah. Which <laughs> yeah, is, that's stuck with me forever. <laughs> and then I remember that kind of like was the first time I heard about a very notorious part of your life. That's kind of scary. Mm, <laughs> Do yeah. you want to elaborate? <laughs> um, sure. I mean, where do I begin? Um, I guess you could begin with, like, that specific stranger's incident. Okay. So <laughs> what happens when, I guess, I watch scary things, e.g. The Strangers? Um, if you've seen it before, there's a scene where... The one that stuck with me the most is where um, this guy pops up from a window and he has a Hessian bag over his head with a spray-painted... Was it a smiley face? I think it was just like a generic... Generic, like just... Clowny looking. Yeah, yeah, kind of painted on this Hessian sack and... Oh, sorry, my heart. <sighs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Triggered so as hell. That, yeah, that really stuck with me. Um, and... I don't know, sometime later, fairly soon later, I awoke from a dream and I looked across the room to my laundry basket. Lo and behold, up raising from my washing basket was that Hessian sack head. It was there. It was there. My eyes were open. I was looking across the room and there she is staring at me from across the room. And my heart was probably racing just as much as it is right now, retelling this story. <laughs> triggered. <laughs> oh so triggered. Um, and I, I didn't know what to do. I was just frozen. And I thought, someone's in my room. They've seen that I've watched this Strangers video. I don't know what to do. I was all, like, in my family home. So I had my parents and my brother home. And I was just like, I'm just going to reach for my bedside light. And thank God I did because it just went away. And it was So just... it was like a hallucination. Yeah. So I have these things called anomalous dreams, which is kind of falls under the umbrella of lucid dreaming. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's horrible. Um, it doesn't sound like it's like good things that happen. <laughs> never. It's never. I wish it was puppies, you know. I wish it was cute things because I'd be like, yeah, so many puppies in my room. Um, but, yeah, no, it's always scary things and generally from scary things that I've watched. So, so like every time you watch a horror movie, do you get it? Not every time, but a lot of times, definitely, especially if there's a really scary visual or scary character um, that and it stays with me. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, like, can you give us some examples of what you've seen? Well, another one is from, um, 
the TV show Happy. Yeah. Mm, that was my worst ever. And that was the time where I was like, mm-hmm, it's probably time to go and see somebody. I don't know who, but I have to go and see somebody. Um, there's a scene in that where there's just this really dark Santa Claus pretty much. Yeah. Um, if you've seen it, you know. Um, anyway, so I was I was in my dream. So my eyes were shut and um, he was chasing me up this um, uh, apartment building and I got up really high and I was like okay cool I'm out of his eyesight and I went out I went into the apartment and it was fully empty and then here he is at the door and I'm like cool so I run out to the balcony of the apartment and um he's like pushing me against the glass balcony like pushing my face against it ready to just throw me over the edge and kill me um so you fall get like physical interact like you feel like yeah yeah absolutely well this my eyes were shut for this part so this was still like a generic nightmare i guess yeah yeah um and then i woke i woke myself up screaming that time and that's the only time i've ever woken myself up screaming and what i had woken up screaming my face was pushed against the window in my bedroom. Mm. So I was laying down with my face pushed against the window, which kind of like correlated with the dream. Mm. Um, and the the scary um, uh, Santa, yeah, he was actually uh, my partner who was laying behind me with his arm over me. So his force of his arm felt like, like that's how that related to the pushing against the window. Um, so he, I was just like petrified of him and I was screaming and yeah, oh, it was. That'd be traumatizing. Yeah, it is. It's really, really shit. <laughs> like, I'm so sorry. It's so shit. But imagine if you could like multicast that on like Netflix, if you can like watch your dreams. I wish. Oh my God. Amazing. Yeah. That would make I've for some. mentioned good- it in the sleep paralysis episode, but like I've had a couple of things where like, um, I'll hallucinate, but then it just goes away once I realize and I get really embarrassed. Remember, mm. I said one time when we were living together um, on campus at uni, I remember I thought I saw um, pigeons. <gasps> yes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I was yeah, lying yeah. in bed. Wasn't that with the cigarettes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was lying. So I was no, lying that was the minions. Oh, the minions. That was part of the same thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. So pretty much I was lying in bed on the floor on a mattress, as you do on campus, and... <laughs> The, the there were all these pigeons on the floor. They were all dead, but they were all like um, slowly gathering like energy and like expanding into like a balloon. They were ready to explode. Oh and God. for some reason, my brain th- told myself that there was a a bracelet of lit <laughs> cigarettes on my wrist. So I had to quickly get out of bed and quickly run to the bathroom and then extinguish them. But then it was all minions related somehow. So it made no sense. It's because before you fell asleep, we were playing that Minion Rush game. Yeah. So that was in your mind and that's like your subconscious was thinking about it. But, um, but you actually did. You stood up from there because I was still awake. James had just fallen asleep. And um, he was like, I don't know, you were saying something. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, it's burning, it's burning or something. And then you flung the door open and you sprinted out into the kitchen and I heard the tap go on and I'm like, <laughs> what is burning? Like, what is going on here? And um, and then when you came back in, and we'd sleep recorded it. We did. Yeah. I was about to say, do you still have it? Probably, yeah. I well, sent them all through. Have a yeah. look because while you can I... insert clip here. While, no, while you have a look now, you can play on the microphone. JJ, I know that you've had some pretty fucked, like, sleep-related experiences too. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, with your episode about sleep paralysis, it's like... I've been, since that episode, I've 
like been triggered to go back to like my old memories of dealing with this shit because I kind of blocked it off. But like as a kid and like up until probably the age of like 19, 20, I experienced sleep paralysis quite often. And yeah, like, I mean, it's the basic story of sleep paralysis. You fall asleep and you like look up and my particular like vision that I would see was like a really dark figure at the front of my bed. No physical, like, what do you call it? Like no physical like attributes that I could like distinguish, but it was from the start of getting sleep paralysis to the end, that creature or being whatever got increasingly closer to me and like angrier. So I could never really like distinguish what it looked like, but I could always feel its emotions. Mm -hmm. And it got to the point where it was like, I would feel it suffocating me, it would sit on my chest and like laugh in my face. Um, and I would always wake up and have like, it would feel like 10, 15 minutes of me not being able to move. It was probably a few seconds, but I would wake up and I'd be screaming, screaming, screaming. And then finally it felt like a bubble would pop in your throat. And then suddenly I was able to actually scream. And this was still like when I was with, like living with my parents. So my mom would come rushing in. I'd be like, there's a fucking monster at the front of my bed. Um, I don't know what to do. And then finally I saw like a psychologist and they're like, lol, you have sleep paralysis. Um, don't sleep on your back, LOL. Oh. Which was the main thing that fixed it. Like every single night I go to bed now since listening to the episode, I like, I usually start on my right side and then I'll go on my back. And every time I go on my back, I'm like, oh, don't do that. And I go right back on my side. So that's the only thing that will prevent it. Well, for me, yeah. sometimes it's still like, I haven't had it in years um i think since i like really left school i'd say i think because like school made me hella depressed um so since i've been like out of school it's been like not happening but when i just it find was, the whole the whole like concept i mean the whole anomaly of sleep paralysis is so crazy to me because the amount of experiences that people have that are so similar but are on different sides of the planet mm. is so fucked to me. Like, the last episode I mentioned, the hat man, how he was a man that comes to visit a lot of people in their sleep paralysis. I've had him. You've probably had him. Yeah, well, I, I just, have. I he just, was my first. He I just visited. got a message this morning from someone being like, I listened to your episode, holy shit, I thought I was the only person that have seen the hat man. No. Have you seen him too? Yeah, yeah. What do you look like? Um, Really tall. tall so, like, yeah. filled the entire doorway and some. So he was... In, it was the first sleep paralysis, like sleep um, anomalous dream I ever had. Um, and I was probably maybe like six or seven. I was really young. It's and always young for the hat man too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so he, he probably filled the doorway and, and um, he was uh, bent in the doorway. So he was taller than a doorway. Yuck. And he had like a sh top hat shape, but it was quite short. So it was probably... Um, I don't know, 10 centimetres tall over his head and very flat. Um, and he was just standing there with a cane, actually. He had a cane. Um, and he was just there, but it wasn't a scary presence. It was mm. um, it was kind of like someone, like, just watching you, like, watching over you mm. rather than, um, I don't know, someone taunting or something like that. I, I read guess. an article about it just to look it up a bit and like do some research into it. And obviously people are like it's a, he's a spirit that protects children. That, that's one. And another one's like he's a spirit that wants to hurt children. And another one was that scientifically it's um, for children and for people that uh, that image of a man with a with a wide brim hat and then who's tall mm. is a very common um, 
Like, what's that word? Uh, like, char- character. Trope? No, caricature. 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 Like, yeah. Because, like, Sherlock Holmes and, like, old movies and. Right, a lot Through of, t- throughout time. Throughout pop, yeah. pop, pop culture and time. Postman Pat. Postman Pat. <laughs> me. Just lots of people. And so, like, yeah, that, that was another thing that people kind of. And, like, um, kids just kind of store those images in their brain. But I still find it really fucking strange. Yeah. Also, yeah. you told me once, the one that scares me even is the one that you told me about the homeless man that you saw. Oh, the um, the pirate man? Oh, was it a pirate man? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that was the second one. So that probably happened when I was maybe eight. So it was probably, yeah, it was probably a year later. Um, my bedroom, so I'd woken up and my bedroom door had flung open and there was this fairly short and stout old rough looking man with like two teeth and kind of just like big bulging eyes and he was holding two bottles of liquor like I you know I Mm. guess just like really big bottles too and he was standing there with his like elbows out and like bowed legs and just very filling the doorway with his size I guess and I was eight so I was kind of like oh shit once again this is where I die um and he came (laughs) he came running in barreling into my room jumped like in one swift motion jumped up onto my bed and pretty much like both of his legs had um, come on either side of my body. So he's kind of like straddle standing above me. And then he started shaking the two <laughs> bottles of, um, it's funny now, but at the time oh, it was, yeah. so he was kind of like shaking these bottles while also like, it was almost like a jig, like his his legs were kind of going up and down, like stamping on the bed. And then there was a bit of a rhythm to it. So I was like, okay, if I roll out when his left leg is up, I'm, I'm free. And so I roll out of the bed and I sprint outside and thankfully my parents' bedroom was next to mine. And so I ran in there and I just said, there's a man in my room, there's a man in my room. And my dad was like, what the fuck? And he got straight out of bed and he oh, ran no. straight into my room, turned the light on and he's like, where's the man, Laura, where's the man? And then that was the first time I was ever embarrassed by the dreams. And that is a very recurring thing when um, I'm sharing a room with someone and one of my dreams happen, I get awfully embarrassed as soon as I kind of come in to my consciousness yeah I have, I have the same feeling and I think it's like a thing that a lot of people have with they're like it's like overtired and hyper imaginations mm. um I, have, I had it once where I thought there was a snake in my bed so I jumped out of bed and like was dusting the like I was shaking the covers trying to find this snake panicking and then you like you find yourself standing there like no pants on, like, oh, uh, there's no snake. <laughs> that happened with me with a goldfish. I thought I there was a – I had a goldfish bowl above my bed and during the night somehow it knocked over and, and went into my bed and I was like, just where is this goldfish gone? I do not want to squish it. And then, yeah, five minutes later I woke – I realised, woke up, I guess, and realised I never had a pet goldfish. No. And it was just – I was just standing there by the side of my bed. Same thing. What the hell am and I doing? And you feel so embarrassed. And even though there's no one around, it's like, fucking hell. Yeah. So yeah. embarrassed. <laughs> I remember once with you, James, um, well, I can't remember. It was, we had a late line. We went to bed like super late. And I remember waking up to you closing. I think you've told the story. Closing uh, yeah. all the blinds. Because of goo was I coming the, through. I thought, yeah, I mentioned it in the sleep paralysis episode, yeah. which obviously you haven't listened to. I have listened you? to. I just remembered that I was there with that. 
Oh, and yeah. that was that you were so embarrassed. I was about so that. embarrassed because I thought. And slime I was like, was "Don't even in. be embarrassed." That's yeah. Firstly, <laughs> I'm sorry you have to go through that, but secondly, haha. She doesn't even like, scare me. It's just like, oh, oh, it's, oh, it's like it's that a, energy. It's like, oh my god, the slime! <laughs> like, gotta stop it. I wasn't scared. Yeah. It was just kind of like panic. Like, I gotta quickly cover these. Gotta blinds. fix it. Gotta fix yeah, it. Like, it's yeah, it's always like a like a leak. Like it's not yeah. like scary. It's just like, oh, quick. Yeah. Um, talking about scary, I feel like. If I was Laura, I don't know how you're sitting here talking normally. No. If those dreams happen to me, I crack. Well, I had the one I in to to hospital. Santa Barbara where you were as well. That was another one. Remember, it was boiling hot. We'd spent the whole day by the beach. Both of us got incredible sunstroke. I don't remember what happened to and you. And remember the doorway? <laughs> the doorway in um, was really short because it was in like the rumpus room. And there was that really short doorway. Kind of. And what had formed was our, our luggage was in the doorway and it had formed into this creature <laughs> that filled the entirety of of the shape of the of the door frame. And it was just this creature trying to squeeze through to pretty much oh get God. to us. And you were still awake and the light was on. And I feel like you were like, what's going on? And you're embarrassed. Incredibly embarrassed. Yeah. yeah. And it was time. the heat and ty- the more tired I am, the more chance of, of having um, a dream. Well, apparently if you sleep in too much of a hot like conditions, you get worse dreams. Mm. Yeah. I've heard, because yeah, your body yeah. is trying to like adjust to it and yeah. it's just, it's causing so many like f- bangs yeah. of like if freak If you keep cool, you have less, um, less nightmares mm. apparently. Yeah. Melatonin. And melatonin. Melatonin is the one thing that's... Um, you can and you can get like you get a tincture, you can get a pill, you yeah. get gummies. Yeah. Yum. But it's yeah, yeah, it's the one thing that, that will stop it. Crazy. Do you have like the biggest amount of mel- melatonin in the world? <laughs> I used to, but they don't filled. yeah, they don't sell it um anymore in chemists because it's a hormone. You have to get prescriptions now. Oh really? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Um so another thing that someone was mentioning to me on Instagram was um horror like horror films that have like just like changed your life forever because for me there was one that I watched when I was probably like 12 at my grandma's house my mum put it on for us on video Mm. and I remember watching it and my mum was like oh this has such a good twist like you'll love it it was the sixth sense and that like it's it is one of those movies that has a great story and a good and a good twist but as a 12 year old that I remember so specifically mm. like leaving the house at my grandma's, like driving home, the whole world had changed. Mm. Everything was so scary to me and like Things dark. like become into reality, I feel. Sorry? Like things become into like, like you realise that the world Yeah, well fucked. I thought everyone was ghosts and it was just yeah. fucked, it really fucked with me like really badly. Mm. Did you, have you guys ever had a movie like that that's just kind of like Absolutely. ruined your life? I feel like it was two movies for me and I, again when we had our podcast and I talked about movies that I love like horror movies that I love Paranormal Activity and The Conjuring were two that like shaped firstly shaped my love in terms of what type of horror movies I love and then secondly what I'm scared of because The, the Conjuring specifically like I'm not going to spoil I, I mean it's been out for like seven years so if you haven't seen it like who are you but um no offense. <laughs> I don't think Laura's seen it. Oh no, I haven't seen Six Sense either. <gasps> wow. No. Movie well, marathon. <laughs> but in The Conjuring, there's this one like really crazy twist um, that I could never have seen coming. I mean, I was like 12 or 13, but I that shook me to the core and I didn't sleep properly for a week. And then Paranormal Activity, just the sheer like not knowing. 
like especially with the camera pans in the film, especially the first one, mm. and it panned to the left, and you'd be expecting something to come, and it doesn't come, and then it doesn't come, and it doesn't come, and then finally something happens. That, like, anticipation scared me so much. A lot of my, like, nightmares that I do have is more like me not knowing what's happening and then suddenly it bursts out of nowhere and, like, I don't know how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Those two movies that fucked me up. Mm -hmm. Do you have any? I'm trying to think. I mean, other than... (laughs) Harry Potter? (laughs) Other than (laughs) um, The Strangers, like, that was probably the one that has impacted me the most. Mm. But um, I think as well as imagery, I think psychological films get to me as well. Like, they can really just worm into my brain, I guess. Like Um, crazy, like visuals? Like, yeah, even Get Out kind of, like, fucked with me a little bit with the... um, the teacup, just that the 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 shot of um, what's his name, the char- the main character in Get Out. I don't know his name. Anyway, yeah, there's a scene where he kind of falls back in mm. inside his brain, and everything's dark, and it's like a little window of like where his eyes are, and he's in no longer in control of his body. Like that is just horrifying, mm. and I would never want to experience that mm. ever. The dark place. Yeah, yeah. So those kind of things Even, definitely um, stick with me. Under the skin, like the opening oh. scene of Under the Skin, <clears throat> Those where noises. yeah, the noise and the eye of the the main character is kind of forming, and then like the scenes in the dark room where she kind of um, see that doesn't scare me. I just thought the way that they did it was really it's the like, mystery of freaky it. to me. Yeah, um, so. I see the freakiness, but I think God, that bird's know. going crazy. Mm. Yeah. Sorry for the bird noises. We're in Australia, so <laughs> this is have what you happened. guys seen As Above, So Below? Yeah, French, great movie. No. Uh, it's not entirely French. Oh, but it's in Paris, It's right? in Paris, yeah. yeah. That movie fucked me up. It That is... I can't believe I didn't say this before, but that's probably my favourite horror movie. I've, I've watched that movie to death now, so it doesn't scare me anymore. But when I did start, like, when I watched it the first time, when I was about 12 or 13, that was, like, life-changing for me. And it really, like, piqued my interest in, like, occult, specifically, like, ritualistic type of mm. underworld stuff. That fucked me up, and I highly recommend it to anyone who wants to watch it. As above, so below, in Great. Paris, France. <laughs> in Paris, France. You can go to France and watch it. <laughs> you have to. That's so, cool. um, some, some, like, obviously, like, this podcast is all about the spooky and the horrifying, um, but it's hard not to talk about uh, scary things that happen in real life. So, obviously, um, recently there was a horrible murder that happened with an ex-football player, um, who murdered his wife and um, two children. I think it was two or three children. Mm. I should probably fact check that right now, actually. Yeah. Um, I think it was two. And I just need to say how, like, angry I am because... Um, let me just find this first. Um, yeah, so three kids. Um, yeah, it just makes me really angry because a lot of media outlets are reporting things like um, uh, ex-football hero... Um, was abused by his estranged wife and um, and dies in car, car tragedy mm. or um, a hero or ex-footballer um, dies in a tragic fire. And like, mm. no, 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 that's not what happened. An abusive husband murdered his wife and three kids. Mm. So it doesn't like, matter what career you have. It doesn't matter how you word it. Like, I hate how media outlets are treating this, this kind of thing because women who are murdered and kids who are murdered 
a lot of time are just not treated with the respect because people hear outside stories that they had a fight, they, then the mother took the kids away. But I'm sure she had a fucking good reason for doing that. Mm. And I, I can't speak. I don't know what happened, but I just, I'm sick to death of seeing these media things um, glorifying someone just because they're a fucking football player mm. doesn't mean they're a hero. It doesn't mean they're anyone good. They still murdered someone. So, yeah. like, if you see this bullshit um, wherever you are, just, like, comment or call it out because that's, um, I think, yeah, it's really important that we change the way that these outlets are reporting on these things. I, I feel like in Australia especially, maybe that's because we are in Australia, but I feel like I noticed that quite a bit in Australia media because Australians, I guess Americans as well, but... Australians specifically for me, I feel like glorify these people who chuck a ball at each other. Like, I get it. Sport's great. Love it. Live your life. But just because they are talented in that aspect doesn't take anything away from them, like you said, being terrible, horrific people. Yeah. Like, they use that as an outlet to be like, oh, no, it's fine. It's okay. Literally, like I saw one recently, um, a football player was on the news. It was like... Football player is re-signed for a million-dollar contract after wild, um, wild, uh, naughty weekend away, and he like had fought, he punched someone out, um, cheated on his partner, and like was mm. always kicked off the team. And the way that they reported it was like, oh, naughty boy. But if a woman did that in the, in oh. sport and had a, like if she was a news anchor, for example, and like had a scandal, she would be out. And that's the fucking bullshit thing. Mm. Even though she's getting paid less anyway, let's be real. Yeah. But she should be paid nothing. So anyway, look, it's not a political podcast, but I think it's really important to mention that. And um, it's horror in real life. It's fucking scary that this happens in our country and people being murdered and um, indigenous people as well, which is a whole other thing which I can't get into right now. But yeah. Um, so today's story is pretty fucked. So I'm going to like, we're going to have a five minute break in real life, but on, in podcast world, wherever you're listening, it'll feel like, I don't know, 20 seconds. So, um, we'll (laughs) see you so soon. Um, stay tuned and we'll be back with the main story very soon. Thanks. Bye. Schedule podcast episode eight, and may I just say, most podcasts statistically don't get past episode seven. So, bitch, we're kicking goals. And also, I'm really excited to announce that I am also now officially part of That's Not Canon Productions, which is an amazing support network from Brisbane. So, um, they really provide me with a lot of support in getting this podcast really strong and out there, so people can hear it and be scared shitless all over the world. Can I just say that I'm like super proud of you? Thank you so much. Because like you just took this on, you did it, and now you're like episode eight. I know. Like I didn't think that I would even. I just did this as like a a passion project because like I've always loved horror, but I cannot sleep at night without a nightlight. So it's kind of like. Same here. Welcome. It's kind of nice to do a podcast where it's safe. And I can still tell stories I want to tell. I'm constantly finding myself, like, at work telling people's fucked up shit. And they're like, <laughs> just, like, don't. Like, <laughs> so calm down, please. Now it's nice to have a space where I can do it and not be judged. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so today's story, like I said, is pretty horrific. And um, there's a lot that I want to unpack afterwards. So um, we're going to get into that 
definitely. But please feel free to interject anytime if you have any points that you want to make um, or if you just want to chat about it. So I'm going to be telling the story of um, two teenage girls and also a teenage boy. So um, I heard this story when I was in high school back in 2008 and it has literally stuck with me ever since. I think it's one of those stories that like, um, I always wanted to know what was, if it would be, what would happen after. And, um, yeah, I've just always been following it and yeah, but we'll get into that. So, um, we're going to talk about a, a guy named Joseph Marino. He was a teenage, he's a teenager, um, who met a, uh, who met a girl named Amina, um, at his Taekwondo studio when he was, uh, who both did Taekwondo together. Um, as soon as he saw Amina, he was just like completely dumbfounded by her. He thought she was gorgeous. He was really into music and so was she. And they just instantly connected and became very, very close. Um, after a little while, they started dating um, secretly. They went to the same school. So they, had, they would pass love notes to each other. Like they were really, really sweet. Um, so, uh, blah, blah, blah. Let's find my, sorry, I'm just trying to find the best spot. Um, so he was 15 when he first, um, met her and the Taekwondo studio was in like on a strip mall. And this was in 2004. Um, Amina also has a sister named Sarah, um, and their last name is Saeed. And they also have a brother named Islam. And, uh, like I mentioned before, Amina and, um, Joseph were instantly connected. They mm. pretty much fell in love. Um, he said that she had the most beautiful green, green eyes that he'd ever seen. Um, she was fiercely intelligent, full of spirit, and she always seemed to be smiling. Um, it wasn't long before Sarah and Islam, who were the brother and sister, gave up on Taekwondo, as you kind of do when you get a bit older, because um, their hearts weren't in it. But Amina, who got her driver's license and a car, she was allowed to continue and because she really wanted to see Joseph every day mm. after school. And that was their kind of like way to hang out. Um, before long, they were taking lessons three or four days a week together and not because they love martial arts, obviously because they loved, um, they wanted to hang out. They wanted to see each other. Um, pretty much their whole relationship was kind of surrounding this Taekwondo class. They would talk outside class, before class, during class. So I think like I've had situations where like, I'll do something just because, like, there's someone really cool there. I have a crush on someone, but I actually don't give a fuck <laughs> yeah. about it. Especially at 15. Yeah, yeah. Like, but they're deep down, like, wow, this is boring. Is, is this, like, the plot to um, Karate Kid or...? <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely not. No, I wish it was. Um, so, all right. The, the, the instructor of the two could see the sparks flying between um, Joseph and Amina, um, and he'd assigned them to spar together and made a pretty tame, it was a pretty tame matchup. The instructor used to bust Amina's chops for not attacking, attacking aggressively enough. Um, and Joseph could never bring himself to aggressive towards her at all. So he, they both went very easy on each other. It was very sweet. Like they were just like sparring, but that's so, so cute. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'm just trying to, yeah, I'm starting it with something positive because I think that's more important to focus on this. Um, so while Amina wasn't aggressive at all, she was definitely not shy. She loved to joke around. She was, uh, she free, she freely spoke her mind openly and honestly. Um, and it usually resulted in their instructor issuing, um, like warnings for them because she would always get in trouble for talking out of turn. Um, and would always demand Amina to do a bunch of push-ups, which was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> Fuck that. One day they were talking, they were taking off their shoes and socks and getting ready for class. Um, uh, Amina saw Joseph slip his mobile phone into his sneaker 
And then she said, oh, you have a phone. And um, she said, can I, can I give you a number so I can bother you? And that was kind of how it all started. And they would text and text and text all day, all night. So cute. Um, and then slowly she got a job and left Taekwondo because they kept in contact with their phone. Um, and that was when they became boyfriend and girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it was puppy love. Um, it was very innocent. It was nothing more than hand-holding and an occasional, like, cheeky stolen kiss, but nothing... Um, they never made love. Um, uh, so the first text that uh, she sent Joseph that night was the beginning of a four-year relationship. Oh, wow. um, they planned an entire life together, spending hours on the phone fantasizing about marriage and kids. Um, they promised to learn more about each other's heritage, um, and she was picking up Spanish, which is Joseph's heritage. Mm. And um, he even planned to study Arabic with her because that was her background. Wow. Um, Amina always seemed to be in a playful mood, teasing and messing with Joseph. Um, whatever, whatever frame of mind he was in, she was always, she always found a way to make him smile. She brought out the best in him and made him generally want to accomplish things. He really, she really inspired him. Um, so eventually she began to let Joseph know that her home life was in a little bit of trouble. So um, her demeanour was so upbeat and positive and no one would have imagined that she was going through anything at home. But we need to start talking about her father. So her father's name is Yasser, Yasser Abdel Saeed. He was born um, January 27th, 1957 in Egypt um, he married a, a woman in America named Patricia Owens, also known as Tizzy, in February 1987. He was 30 and she was 15 years old. 15? 15. Fuck. Patricia later... Wait, did they get married in America? They got married in America. Is that legal? Um, certain states, yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's so young. Yeah. Eventually, uh, um, uh, Yasser was able to get his, um his green card to stay in the country. Um, so I think that was one of the main reasons for getting married pretty quickly because yeah. they got married very, very quick. Um, and Patricia said that their marriage at the start was really beautiful. Um, he would come home with um, and cook dinner. He would bring flowers. Um, but after about seven months, she noticed that he became very overprotective of Patricia, um, was really against anything American or Western cultured and would would um, make sure that he knew where she was at all times. Mm. Um, this also fed into his daughter's relationship as well. Um, when they were born, Yasser was uh, an incredible father to them, as mentioned by other people. Um, Patricia always said that Yasser was a good a good dad, that there was no problems at home. But a lot of people said otherwise. A lot of people who um, the, uh, who Amina and Sarah opened up to said that Yasser was actually very controlling um, and actually a little bit abusive as well. He would uh, physically abuse um, both daughters. Amina um, confided in a friend via social media saying that he um, would hit her, she would come to school with bruises, a split lip, um, but would never tell anyone in person, only online or um, uh, word of mouth. So it wasn't really like just kind of like grapevine stuff. Isn't that always like the case yeah like, i feel like it is people, from the outside it looks great but yeah really. you never know you never know what's going on no um and it's really scary but yeah so yasa also uh, possessed really old school traditional notions about gender and, and relations with gender so he saw himself as the family leader and patriarch and he demanded total obedience in the family 
Um, Yasser's obsession, obsessive need to control his daughters went way beyond the usual overprotectiveness of a father. He forbid them to date anybody um, at all without his knowledge. He would videotape them without their knowledge. He would even audio tape them and bug their car. Whoa. Um, Yeah, he would even follow follow them to work and watch them with binoculars. Um, And Yasser was a taxi driver, so he was constantly moving around for his job. So, you know, as a taxi driver... Um, one part of your, in, in the morning, you might be in one part of the city. So like between jobs, he would go and, um, watch his daughter's workplace to make sure they weren't seeing any boys. So Amina, Amina and Joseph had to keep their relationship extremely private and secret from, from her father, just in case. So he was very, they were both very, very scared. And Amina was, um, a lot of the time, very, very scared of her own father. I can imagine as well, because they're not the same culture. So even completely that, different. Even that yeah. should be like, okay, yeah, this is even worse for him than it would be for sure. If, yeah, that's fucked. No, that's cooked. Um, so Yasser actually planned to bring Sarah and Amina back to Egypt and be forced into an arranged marriage with older men for money. Um, so he took them to Egypt three times, and the first time. Uh, he introduced them to a bunch of different men who offered different prices for them. Um, Amina and Sarah obviously were very, very upset by this. They had no idea that that's what they were going to Egypt for. They thought they were going to see where Yasser grew up and he lied and um, they were very upset. And that was one big red flag for Amina saying that that from that moment, she pretty much didn't like her father anymore and she didn't trust him. That's so fair. Yeah. So, um, So one time when Yasser was out of the country, Amina was able to come with Joseph and his family to a church function. Amina often imagined him spying on on her with a pair of binoculars, which she actually did at some point, like I mentioned. It may seem paranoid, but the threat was genuine. She knew if she broke the rules, he would hurt her badly. Mm. Once when Sarah got an after-school job working in a store, he spied on her work and punished her for smiling at too many of the customers. Oh, wow. What? Yeah. Despite all that, Amina was always the picture of calm. When she became concerned that her father might look through her mobile phone for information what she was up to, she suggested that a Joseph and her use a secret code that sounded something like an intelligence agent would dream up. So a text of the number seven meant that her father was planning to confiscate her phone and then no matter what text I, that um, Amina received or Joseph received, they should not reply to each other because he might try and trick um, someone into replying and saying, yeah, we're dating. So oh, they would have codes. Right. They would have wow. codes. Um, That's crazy that they... Yeah, well, Joseph said that it seemed like overkill at first, but then he understood that um, a couple of nights in, he got a message saying seven, and he replied saying, hey, what's up? Um, and then another text said, can you call me? And that was him. Uh, Yasser actually confiscated the phone and was trying to figure out who it was. So he didn't, luckily he didn't call, but he was trying to trick him into calling and saying, who's this? And he would have, it would have been, it would not have been good at all. So, um, one day in a few years later, um, so about two, three years, four, actually four years into their relationship, Yasser found a note that Amina had written to Joseph. Um, they would constantly, uh, trade notes at Taekwondo. They would write love notes to each other and poems and um, one day uh, Yasser actually found one of these notes. Amina was 
luckily able to convince Yasa that it was just for an imaginary boyfriend. It wasn't for anyone in particular, but Yasa was very angry nonetheless. Um, he did, he did want to, I think he gave her the benefit of the doubt. Um, but shortly after that, um, they gave up on the phones. That was, they believe that was too risky. So, um, they just decided to go with letters just in case and they would have to dispose of letters once they got home. Um, so a few days later, um, Amina failed to show up for, showed to, failed to show up for class. She didn't come in for any Taekwondo sh- sessions, um, and months went by without even a word. She completely vanished. Um, Joseph obviously got extremely worried, had no idea what was going on. Uh, but eventually Amina reached out to her, their, her Taekwondo studio, um, the instructor with a message for Joseph. So it couldn't, she couldn't even directly um, message Joseph. Jesus. The message read um, uh, that Yasa had secretly bought a house in Louisville, which is on the other side of the, um, of the state, which was about um, 150 miles away overnight. And he'd moved the whole family because of this note. Oh. oh wow! So after a couple of days, he stopped believing um, Amina and moved the entire family one day with, within a day. Oh, that is just from the note. Just from the note. What did the note say? Oh, the note, know. pretty much, it was this love note. <gasps> what? And he fully, fully moved the whole family because of that one. So yeah, note. for the one note, it's fucked. It's really scary. Um, so pretty much, there was essentially there was, there was Joseph thought there was no way that they're going to see each other. Um, but then Amina got a secret phone, like a burner phone, mm. um, and allowed them to plot an escape. Um, so they started plotting with the phone. The plan was to make Yasa believe that they'd broken up so, so that when she ran away, he wouldn't go looking for Joseph. Mm. Yeah. Um, she said to Joseph, if he finds out you're my boyfriend, he will kill you. Oh, okay. um, like, she I mean, know. Yeah. I'm not surprised by that. He's yeah. fucking psychotic. They plan to get married. Um, they plan to get married in Vegas just overnight. The family, um, Joseph's family and Amina's extended family, including, um, so Patricia was Amina's mother. Um, Patricia's, like, the, her auntie, so Patricia's mm. sisters, um, were all in support of this. They knew that Amina wanted happiness and wanted to get away. Um, they exchanged rings. There were little rubber rings that were part of, like, a punk-style bracelet they bought from Hot Topic. So cute! Yeah, oh and um, Joseph had to leave his out in the sun to stretch it out because it was too small. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, they said so as soon cute. as they graduated, they would run away to Vegas and um, start a new life. Um... But then at, around this time when they were texting and planning, Yasa was talking about bringing Sarah, who also had a secret boyfriend in America named Eddie, which we won't talk about today because it's, it's a whole... I just decided to focus on one of the stories. Yeah. Mm. Um, even though I think both stories deserve respect, um, this one just has much more detail because um, Sarah's partner, does, the boyfriend, uh, doesn't want to talk about this at all. So oh, okay. um, Joseph has opened up about it. But... Uh, yeah, uh, so the plan was uh, Yasa was going to plan to bring him to Egypt for punishment and force him into a marriage. Mm. Um, right. um, so we, uh, Joseph knew that the plan was going to take money um, to run away to Vegas. So in 2007, he quit high school. He got a GED and found a job to save money. What's a um, GED? A GED is a f- uh, high school diploma. Like a trade? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, he was in a factory fabricating water and air pressure hoses for air, airspace companies. Mm. Um, it paid really well and he saved every single penny for their future and their marriage. 
uh, toward the end of the year, it became clear that Joseph um, had to move much quicker because Yasser was talking about bringing Sarah and Amina to Egypt. Um, he regularly threatened to kill Amina and he, she knew that he meant it. Oh, um, Joseph didn't know this until much later, but at one point after they moved to Louisville, Louisville, he beat her brutally and demanded to know who she was seeing. Wow. Amina was the strongest and bravest person that Joseph ever met, and she refused to tell him to, to, to tell her dad his name. That is um, such like true love. Absolutely, and at like, such a young age, it's so beautiful. And I think also um, a horrific detail, which is pretty fucked, that she sent a photo to. Joseph of what um, Yasser did to her. She had braces, and he she was sleeping in her bed. And this is also confirmed by um, um, the mother Patricia. Um, she was lying in bed, and he woke her up by kicking her in the face. And because she has braces, her lips, oh like her oh. lips, Split. they cut into her face. Oh my and they God. were taking her to the hospital. Um, but the uncle um, Yasser's brother were very were very in support of Yasser's, like, getting them married in a different country mm. and said, don't bring them to the hospital because they're going to think that you're abusing them. So they drove home. What the fuck? That poor girl. Poor girls. Poor Sarah girls. as well. Yeah. But even the wife would have gone through it. Okay, well, let's talk about Patricia. So, um... It's... Uh, the, the problem with this... Because what happened was... Um, after, after Christmas time, um, this is when, oh, actually I'll continue with this. Sorry. So, okay. At Christmas time, um, right after dinner on Christmas day, Amina texted Joseph and said, we did it. She wrote, we left. Um, it turned out that her mother, Patricia had taken her and Sarah hopped in the car and just run away. Um, Joseph said, I'll come to you. I told her, where are you? Um, uh, it was very. It was too soon, she said, refusing to tell Joseph what city that they'd gone to. Yasser and various fan members were calling um, her mother, Patricia, nonstop, begging her to return, and Amina wasn't confident their troubles were really over yet. Mm. She was right. A few days later, Patricia um, succumbed to... succumbed to um, Yasser's begging, and yeah. she came home. Um but, 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 um, Patricia, so what happened was Patricia told her daughters, Sarah and Amina, that December 31st, which is New Year's Eve, um, was her father's, was, was her mother's, um, death anniversary and that she wanted to drive to East Texas to put flowers in her grave. But then later on their drive, she told them that she was returning to Yasa. Um, oh. Sarah... Reluctant, reluctantly went back to the family and went back to Yasa, but Amina re- completely refused. She said, I'm not going back. There's fucking no way. Um, Patricia insisted and stood unmoved in the doorway, saying that her father had forgiven her and would like the girls to return home. Um, no, no thanks. She stayed with her friend the whole entire day, and um, Patricia called her probably every hour on the hour from 8 a.m., um, saying, like, your dad wants you home. He loves you. Please come home. Um, Amina was like, I'm not coming home. Like, I'm so scared of him. Please don't let me go home. She said, no, come home, please. Like, I want you to come home. Um, after about 13 phone calls, um, she eventually said, look, fuck it. I'm going to go home and say, this is it. Like, let's figure this out because I'm going, I'm moving away. I'm coming clean. I'm moving away. I'm getting married. She wanted to like, just get everything off her chest. So she was saying that to her mom or to Yasa? To her mom. Okay. Um, so So she she goes. She was going to go home and spill all all the tea like. yeah so um we 
yeah, yeah, pretty much just come clean about everything and move on. So that's what that was her mm-hmm. hope. So Amina went home and Sarah was there as well. Um, Yasser said to Patricia that he wanted to take uh, Amina and Sarah for dinner to talk everything over and clear everything up. Yasser kissed um, Patricia and she he took uh, Amina and Sarah in his cab to out for dinner. Uh-oh. It wasn't so, dinner, was it? Patricia initially wanted to come along, but Yasser told her that he wanted to talk to the girls himself. Oh, no. He drove that. the girls to Irving, Irving, where he parked the car in front of a restaurant, turned around and shot both girls. <gasps> Amina, no. died, Amina died instantly while oh, Sarah managed no. to call 911. What? She screamed on the phone, help me, my dad shot me, I'm dying, I'm dying. Oh, my God. No. Um. Oh. Yasser's taxi was soon discovered by another cab driver outside a hotel. He drove, he drove and left their bodies in the cab and left. So he drove with their dead bodies. With their dead bodies. Then the he abandoned their dead bodies and left. What How? a feral pig! Um, that is. Disgusting. He shot them nine times. Oh my god! Yeah. Nine times. Execution style. So he shot Amina in the head, died instantly, and then shot um, Sarah nine times, and she died over the phone. Um, over the phone on two nine one one. Nine one one. So. Oh the God. what I heard when I was in high school was the 911 call which has stuck with me for all these years and it's just really fucked me up so I'm gonna play it but if you're listening and like you don't like that and you find it um, too intense then like totally like don't listen like just put down the Skip volume the next how long uh, probably 30 seconds so Absolutely just put trigger the warning. volume yeah trigger warning put the volume down if you don't want to hear it but I'm gonna play it because I think that it um it just like it just shows the pure horror of what the fucking situation is and you can just hear the real fear so I'm gonna play it now um yeah turn down now if you don't want to hear it So like I cried. Yeah, that <laughs> like, is, I, yeah that's just, horrifying. It's horrifying, and she she's saying stop it, stop it. Like she's trying to stop the bleeding, and she she's, she passed away on the phone. And the the nine one one dispatcher said that he heard her take her final breath um, on the phone to her. And um, when they got to the when they got to the bodies, they were just like, I, I don't understand what kind of monster would do this. He's not a person. Um, he's not straight up. There's fucking... more to this story though, which is the where I want to talk about this because. Um, look, he, he's, he's still missing. He's still gone. He's He's disappeared. He has a $100,000 reward on his head. Um, people think that they've seen him in New York city, um, because they have heard that he has had two licenses for taxi driving, one in New York city where his brother lives Mm. and, um, one in Texas. So that it makes sense that he's driving a taxi in New York city and people have spotted him at the airport, but they've never reported it until like late. So he's still at large. Um, he abandoned Patricia, his wife and his son. So they both, uh, they have no idea where he is, Mm. but people believe that Yasser's brother knows exactly where he is because if you've murdered your daughters and you're covered in blood how we how would you get away with that and no one see you so i feel like someone has picked him up or there's an accomplice and they've driven him driven him straight to new york city um well, that would make the most sense because like you said before <clears throat> yeah his brother was in full support of his actions exactly and the 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 conversation that people 
were having after this is that it was um, known that he was saying to his to his friends and family that this is what an, well, this was an honor killing. Have you heard of an honor killing? Yeah. So an honor killing, uh, for anyone that doesn't know what honor killing is, in certain religions, um, people believe, not the religion, the people believe that um, you have to kill someone in order to restore honor to a family name. So because Amina was in love with with an American, he believed that his daughter was a whore and then he had to kill her to restore the Sayyid name. so many Muslim and people who practice Islam have said the Quran says nothing about honor killing and that that the Quran preaches everything but love and tolerance and doesn't say anything about honor killing. So um, in this documentary I watched, which is called, um, I think it's called Bringing Honor, I think the documentary I watched. Yeah. Sorry if the name's wrong. It was either Bringing Honor <laughs> or Dishonored, something like that. Just post it on the Instagram. Yeah, I'll post it on the sh- in the show notes. But um, I watched that and, yeah, a lot of um, preachers and um, Muslim preachers come onto the documentary and say, this man is just simply a terrorist and a murderer. There's nothing more to it. Um, and these honor killings still occur in in, um, in certain countries of the world, um, Africa, the Middle East, certain parts of Asia where um, women are being murdered um, simply for the fact that they have been have either you know have had an affair or they have even just a rumor has spread they've had an affair even if they haven't women are stoned in like stoned to death in the middle east and so this is a, a contemporary example of that when it's happened in the u.s and about um 5, occur every year around the world oh, wow. and about 12 happen every year in the u.s um so these people are basically just living in the middle ages Middle, middle ages, and I think that it's it's it all comes down to misogyny. Literally, Everything the entire toxic. the entire thing comes down to misogyny because this man believed that he was the, the leader of these women of his family when in fact um, he married an American. He married an American woman to get his green card. So it doesn't make any sense to me that he, he can do it. But as as soon as his daughter even writes a note, a beautiful love note to a partner that she dearly loves. He has to murder her. It, it infuriates me to no end. It's, I feel like, excuse me if this is a terrible comparison, but it's similar to like Hitler. Well, it is. Like, well, the extremism him, of it, you mean? No, but like the contradiction. Oh, okay. Of hating one type of person, but being that person. Literally. Yeah. Like, it's just like hypocrisy to the level of. Yeah. It all comes. Absolute horror. Yeah, it's just that it's, it comes to, to the to the um, abuse of power because he was obviously a powerful, powerful figure in his family and it comes with the influence of culture as well because um, a lot of, a lot what a lot of people talk about in the documentary there's a big difference between culture and religion so religion is usually a specific set of um, ideologies guidelines things like that whereas culture is an ingrained um, uh, traditional sense of, of values that comes with conversation and constant like um, appraisal of these kind of like beliefs because um, uh, Yasser would have been told by his brothers and his family his whole life like women are whores if they do these things or mm. and that's what that's what builds that toxic culture it's not the religion it's these people that are taking um, and justifying their beliefs by with their culture which is completely horrific and in this case two innocent girls have now who had an incredible um, life ahead of them mm. are now murdered and their father the coward who quote unquote honorably killed them um, has left and just and left Being and you can't even deal weak, with consequences yeah. Yeah. literally a coward yeah. and so to me you know it's not it's not a horror story it's not like ghosts and paranormal but to me that's just like the scariest thought that um, your own father could even 
Um, well, I mean, if this was yet. adapted mm. into film, it could easily be a, a horror film. Absolutely. It's, mm. not, it's not a yeah. thriller. It's not a... It's literally straight-up horror. And it's fucked because when I was retelling you guys the story, for some bizarre reason, I kind of had hope. I was kind of like... And then yeah. they got married and it was really beautiful, but yeah. I knew what was going to happen. And then, like, and I was, as I was reading it and, like... Um, mentioning, like, remembering things, like the little details, like the ring that he got from Hot Topic, yeah. things like that. It just reminds you that these um, that these girls were just completely, completely average teenagers, mm. um, and these and the couple, Joseph and Amina, were just two people in love, like everyone has been when they were fucking fifteen, sixteen. Mm. Mm. Um, but even at that point, it's like you don't really. The reason why you were feeling that hope, I think, is because no normal human being will accept the fact that someone can do that. No, absolutely Because that is against every single thing that a human should be yeah. and should do. Like, that is just... Laurie, a bit quiet. Disgusting. Yeah, I'm, I'm processing it all. Um, I have questions. <laughs> yeah, please. So you said that Joseph um, has come out to talk about it. Yeah. So, like, how and why and, like, what's what's he up to now? Like, is he... He's doing... So the thing... Okay, what happened was um, when Amina... So Amina was very, very vocal with Joseph about um, her father's abuse and he would, she actually said to him openly and in black and white if he ever murders me you can't kill yourself he said he said that's the only reason he has not killed himself oh, for today wow. when he went to the funeral um and it was an open casket funeral and all the friends and family were there even yas's family were there so uncles and things like that um joseph attended the funeral and uh the brother islam turned around and said to joseph get the fuck out of the funeral this is your fault you killed her and joseph was like i we loved each other like and but from from islam's point of view yeah he would say no this is your fault you're the one that did this mm. uh, where in fact he should be blaming his blaming his father but you know what anger anger doesn't do anything and so you know part of his uh part of his therapy for for getting better and like being able to move on is talking about it openly. Mm. He's always said, I'm not getting paid for anything I do about talking about this. The only reason yeah. I'm talking about it is so that we can find this piece of shit and put him behind bars. And also just to um, expose like exactly. how backwards some people These honour-killing things are, yeah. Yeah, it's um, horrible. And, yeah, so he said that some days he would lie in bed all day and never get out of bed. He When, he, when his mother told him, um, he so she came into his bedroom um, bawling her eyes out on the phone. He sits down next to her. It was about, it was because it was about in the morning um, that they got murdered. Um, and she says, Amina's just been murdered. And she, he just says, no, like, you can't be telling the truth. And she says, it's all over the news. It's real. Yeah. And the first reaction, he just punched a hole into his headboard in, in the bed. Fair. Um, oh and he, and that fair. day he said, I was, I'm going to, I was going to commit suicide. I was going to kill myself. But he remembered the promise that he made to Amina, yeah. which was to not do it because that's not going to solve anything. Like, I can't imagine ever being able to move on from that. In yeah. In terms of, like, romantic for relationships. Sure. And like, he's, that he's, would take yeah. you for the rest of your life. Yeah. And he said many times, like, um, the rage the rage is slowly turning into just, um, into, um, it's just kind of neutralizing because he's finally slowly letting go of the rage after, like, almost 10, 12 years now. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, he was, he, he hasn't been with anyone since, which is crazy. He's, he's really in love with her and, like, he's just, um, he seems like, if you, if you watch the documentary, the whole thing's on YouTube, um, he seems like just such a kind, warm, gentle soul. Like, yeah. he's just got a way about him. Um, like a bit of an emo, like a bit of a, <laughs> bit of like a, like, yeah. Like a punk kid. Yeah. 
Well, they did get their wedding rings from Hot Topic. Hot Topic. <laughs> and I think I Amina mean, was a bit of a punk girl too, like the yeah. photos and stuff. And you can watch home videos and it really just breaks your heart to see because um, Yasser is holding the camera and he's recording the girls. And it's just, it kind of makes you sad to see that. And like, you don't deserve to have these beautiful two girls in your life. Please post some pictures of yeah, the I'm, loving I'm, couple. I 100% will. I'll, um, I think it would be nice to show some nice photos rather than that. I don't want to show his ugly, stupid face. Don't share that face. Um, I want to show those two girls who were tragically taken away. Um, and or maybe fucked. do share that face to get it out there. Maybe I'll do a swipe across and then put yeah. devil horns on him. <laughs> Literally, but like more of like exposure so more people can For see. For sure, like. I agree. Keep the keep conversation no going. Where he is yeah. if like the articles are slowly dying out. Like it was really hard to find this documentary and like updated articles you can't really find them because like it's one of those things that everyone's forgotten about and the yeah. longer it goes on yeah. it's just becoming more it's of fucking, a fucking anyway yeah. do you have any other questions no that was yeah, yeah that was kind of, I was just wondering where he's at like that would be some yeah so horrible to go through and <coughs> yeah that's shocking I honestly shocking. wish him well do you know anything about the mum like what's happening with Patricia? Not really. Honestly, a lot of people are very, very, very angry at her because they believe that she should not have gone back to mm-hmm. Yasa. Um, when Yasa abandoned and left um, Patricia and Islam, she remarried um, his brother. What? That was living in Texas, yeah. Oh. Like it's a whole thing that I was going to get into. To me, I don't want to blame or make anybody seem... Um, in the wrong because I want to focus it on um, a the beautiful relationship between Amina and her partner and b um, the the evil piece of shit that did this. So the other stuff that surrounds it doesn't really matter to me. Like and in, in terms of that, I think it's with any abusive relationship. Yeah, you like I don't think anyone can ever judge that because. Everyone feels loved differently. Yeah, you have and no idea. I have no idea what their marriage was like. I have no fucking clue. Like, and All I know also, yeah. like, brainwashing is a thing. Like, yeah. gaslighting. Um, gaslighting. Yeah. Like, everything can have made her feel like she was doing the right thing. Absolutely correct. Like, You're she, right. her, her yeah. truth was, no, I need to go back to my loving, like, yeah. air quotes, loving husband and protect I'm, my children. I just want to make sure that I'm correct. I'm pretty sure, I'm 90% sure it was her brother that she remarried or yeah. it was a friend. It was someone very close in the family already. Yeah. Um, mm. And same same background, same mm. from Egypt. Um, uh, also, I want to also, before we wrap up, I want to mention that, like I said before, I didn't mention much about Sarah. It doesn't mean that I don't... Um, uh, like have respect for the dead or anything like the only reason is because that's a whole nother story that there's not much yeah. information on well, you can do so, like a, a warm-up episode or yeah something i just catch up i just don't want to seem like i'm just focusing on mina and not sarah because both girls were murdered not, and um obviously it's horrific both ways but yeah, yeah. i'm just mentioning that no, we understand. um so yeah it's been fuck we that was an hour that's crazy wow. <laughs> <laughs> i literally got lost in that story yeah it was it was yeah it always really it always hits me hard that one yeah um but Guys, thank you so much for joining me. That was so nice. Thank I really, you. Thank you. I really liked it. And obviously, you guys listening, you can follow me on um, Instagram at ScaredShitlessPod, Twitter at ScaredShitless, or uh, Facebook at ScaredShitlessPod. Um, please leave feedback. I always love it. And re- if you can review and download on podcast, Apple Podcasts, um, that always supports and really helps us out. So thank you so much. And I will see you next Monday, same time, because I'm on schedule now, because I'm with the production. Yes. So every Monday without fail. Um, I'll see you then. Thanks so much, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.